Howdy, folks, and welcome to the Creating Knowledge Income podcast. I'm your host, Paul Erickson. In our previous episode, we talked about overcoming fear in business. It was a big topic. In this episode, we're getting specific, defeating the fear of failure. The fear of failure is the number one fear in business. So we're going to talk about that right now. I have my iced tea in hand, so let's get started. You're listening to the Creating Knowledge Income podcast with the best host in the world, Paul Erickson. Was that good, Dad? So in our previous episode, I had asked the question, what is the number one fear that you have in business that keeps you from reaching your potential? And out of the 11 basic fears that were mentioned, by far the largest one was the fear of failure. I thought, well, we need to pay a little closer scrutiny to that because I've had it and I'm sure I'll have it again. And if you're listening to this, I I would bet the farm that chances are you've had it or you will have it at some point and perhaps several times. The fear of failure. And even though in the previous episode I gave some Uh, ideas and tips on how to defeat fear generally, I wanted to get a little more specific about dealing with the fear of failure since it is a common fear that almost everybody in business has had at one point or another. Particularly, if you're just starting out in uh, starting out as an entrepreneur, starting a, a new business venture or so on, there is that fear of failure that's there. What if this works and what if it doesn't? At some point, we have to ask ourselves, this question. What is the worst thing that could happen? If my business fails, what is the worst thing that could happen? Now, depending on your business and what it is you do, of course, the answer is going to vary. But ultimately, I hope that the answer isn't going to be, well, I could die as a result of this failing. Uh, That's pretty serious. Um, We're we're talking about entrepreneurism business. We're not talking about, um, you know, actual battle combat, you know. Um, So let's just make that distinction right now. In business, what's the worst thing that could happen? Well, I could lose everything. Well, if you're starting out as an entrepreneur, you don't have everything, most likely. Um, That's not an insult. That's an observation. I don't have everything or or certainly don't have everything I want. So at this point, what do I have to lose? And you have to answer that for yourself in a way that makes you comfortable. But basically, the answer comes down to, well, I really don't have anything to lose, do I? Uh, what, What about reputation? Well, what if I lose my reputation? Well... My response to that is, what is the other guy doing? Or, or at least the person that you have in mind or persons that you have in mind, what are they doing? Who is it that you are so concerned about that if you fail in front of them, that it's going to hurt your reputation? So again, I use, if you've been listening to this podcast, you know that one of my side hustles is I'm a voice teacher. And so as a voice teacher, I ask my students this question and I use I use uh, examples from my voice lessons to teach business principles. So here we go. Uh, you know, one of, the, one of the fears that students have, of course, the biggest one is getting up and singing in front of people. And I ask them, particularly the, the younger students, teenagers, 
I'll ask them, because they're, they tend to worry more about peer pressure, right? So their fear of failure is strongly connected to their fear of rejection or fear of respect, so on. And so I'll ask them, what if you fail? What if you get up for a recital, as an example, and you make a mistake? Well, is your friend there to even see it? I mean, a lot of times friends don't always necessarily go to recitals. It's usually family. But, you know, friends do come from time to time. So what if you make a mistake? What if you fail in front of them? I mean, failure is a really strong word if you think about it. So if I, if I botch a note, is that really a failure? Out of the hundreds of notes that are in a, a two to three minute piece, and I miss one of them, is it really a game stopper? Is it really going to change my life? No. Do I want to make that mistake? Of course not. But I wouldn't say that that's a failure. I would say a failure would be choosing to not show up at the recital in the first place. Choosing to just completely back out. I would think that would be a failure. And isn't that exactly what excuse we're putting into our minds, or at least kind of talking ourselves into by having the fear of failure. We, we worry so much about what if this fails that oftentimes we never try, or at least we procrastinate for a good long while, or that fear of failure leads to the other feels, fears like we talked about last in the last episode, where my fear of failure can be strongly connected to my fear of rejection, or my fear of failure can be strongly connected um, to perfectionism. It's got to be perfect before I get it out there. Well, it never will be, and so on. And we talked about that, so I'm not going to rehash that. So, back to the recital. If, if a student is afraid of failure, I will ask them this question. What if you fail? What does it mean to fail, first of all? What does it mean for you to fail? And what if that happened? And they would say, well, you know, if I, if I make a mistake, if my voice breaks or something like that. And, and I'll ask them, well, why are you worried about that? Well, you know, after they think about it, you know, maybe my friends or family will think less of me or something like that. Then I'll ask them this question, who's up there singing? Well, they'll say, of course I am. Right. Who isn't up there singing? Do you see where I'm going with this? My point is, is that they can say to their friend, hey, if you think I did such a rotten job, next time you come up here and join me. <laughs> you know, after all, it is you putting your skin out there and not your friend. So I'll remind them of that. I, those of you who, who used to watch the show Friends maybe remember this, where Phoebe did uh, a music video for her song Smelly Cat. And her friends, you know, she got ready to show that to her friends. And before she started it, she said, oh, and just a reminder, before you criticize, you don't have a music video, and I do. <laughs> and that's very true. So a lot of times, fear of failure, the, the failure is that we allow ourselves to get so worked up that we don't commit to actually do the process, and, and because of that, that's really where the failure is. The failure is that we never really started at all. So 
ask yourself that question. What does it mean to fail? How am I defining failure? And then ask yourself, what if that happens? What if worst case scenario that happens? What are the implications? Now, there could be some serious implications. I mean, obviously, everybody, your circumstances are different than mine. I don't know what you're going through and what that could mean. But by and large, I would guess that the impact of failure for you probably isn't as big as you may think it is. And that's the, that is the trick about fear. We, a fear can just build up into this huge nebulous cloud, dark cloud of, of doubt and frustration and, um, and so on, that, that it's hard for us to see through that. And, and it ends up appearing bigger than it really is. And it really probably isn't that bad. This past week, my family and I, we were talking about the Old Testament story of David and Goliath. Now, that story has been around for thousands of years, but it's part of our culture, or at least even people who would not say that they're religious understand to a certain degree the reference, David and Goliath. And what they, what they hear when they, when they hear that is small guy versus big guy. And that is so applicable through so many different avenues of life, that, that lesson. Whether it's sports, you know, here's this, the underdog team battling this team who is a surefire shoe-in to win, and yet they are able to defeat the bigger opponent. Or in business, you know, the, the startup small guy actually taking on a larger challenger and gaining market share. Um, you know, obviously, uh, childhood bullies. You know, the 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 back alley bully scenario. I've been, <laughs> I've unfortunately been uh, a recipient of that when I was in elementary school. And you know, it, it little guy versus big guy. It, it, we could go on and on. And fear is a Goliath is a good representation of fear. Now, if I were to ask you, what does the name Goliath mean? probably almost everybody that I asked that question to, they, they all say the same thing. You're probably going to say the same thing, and that's fine, because I thought it meant the same thing. We usually, because of the story and because it's been around for so long, we associate the name Goliath with something huge, something tall, someone big. So we, we make this association that Goliath means big. Did you know that the name Goliath means splendor? Splendor? And when you read his description in 1 Samuel 17, he's, yeah, he's tall. He's, he's a big guy. I mean, almost nine feet tall. And yet he's talked about with, if you, if you read about the kind of armor that he's wearing, I mean, this, he really was a splendor. He was a sight to behold. So, he, so the intimidation factor wasn't only his height, and his strength, but it was this glorious armor that he had on, and his his uh, being a seasoned veteran of battle, and so no wonder why the armies of terif- of Israel were terrified. They just took a look at one, one look at him, and they thought, "Yeah, he really is splendor. We can't fight this." But David, of course, didn't feel that way, and I'm not going to go through the whole story and 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 so on. That's not really the point. 
But what, what point I am going to make is that our fear is very much like that. It can take on this almost uh, glorious, in a negative sense, appearance and become bigger than it really is in reality. And when we, we begin to size it up, the problem with Goliath wasn't his size, that he was big in size, that his armor was big in glory, and that his mouth was big in boasting. The problem was his character was small. And it was easy because of that for David to defeat him. And so it is with you, my friend, and with me. Our fears often look like glorious splendor in a negative sense. They, they are bigger than they really are. And usually at the heart of that fear is something that really isn't all that big at all. So again, it goes back to the question, what are you afraid of? Write it down, define it. You know, journal. I've talked about journaling before. And write down, draw a line down the middle of the page. And on the left side, write down, define what the fears are. List them out if there's several. This is why I'm afraid of starting this business venture or continuing it. Or whatever the case is, write down those fears and their results. And on the right-hand side, write down the opposite of it. What happens if everything goes right? What do I get out of this? What do I have to benefit or gain from this? It's a great, great exercise. So that's the question. What's, what am I afraid of? And what's the worst thing that could happen if, if my fears do get realized? Now, I'm going to pause for a moment. I'm going to do something a little different. And this, this, may, this is going to essentially be like a commercial, but don't tune out for a second. Nobody has asked me to do this. I'm not being paid to do this. And I want to be clear about that. I just, I just felt that with everything going on with the coronavirus and how businesses, are, particularly small businesses, are being hit hard, but biz, big businesses are too, that I thought, you know, I really want to help support local businesses or small to medium businesses. I thought, well, how can I do that? Well, I've got this podcast, and I think I'll mention this. My wife and I, for years, have been wearing shoes called Z-coils. And, and it's just like it sounds, Z-coil. Z as in Z, coil. And we, we love their shoes. They're a little bit pricier, but they're worth it because they come with a great guarantee and uh, they, they feel great. They're unusual because they have a large spring under the heel. So when you first wear them, you, you kind of feel like you're moonwalking, not Michael Jackson moonwalking, but like actually walking on the moon. <laughs> but they are great if you, particularly if you are, um, are an avid walker and have uh, some back issues. Uh, if you have a job where you do a lot of standing, these shoes will, are just great. And the reason why I'm talking about this, again, they did not, they have no idea that I'm doing this. Um, and my wife needed a new pair and she ordered some and I thought, you know, um, I know that their business is being hit just like every other business. And so, and so I want to give them a shout out. They are, they're a family run business. They're based in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and they make a, a just a great quality product. We actually stopped in their store when we were taking a vacation uh, about a year and a half ago. And we stopped in and uh, got some our, our shoes serviced. They'll do that, by the way. You can send them in and they'll, and they'll repair them and send them back. And, and we got to talking to the founder's son and his 
um, desire to talk about the company was just, it was infectious. He really loves what he does. And I really felt like, you know, I want to give a shout out. So, you know, next week, um, next podcast, I'll probably do the same thing and, and give a shout out to a different business. But again, nobody's putting me up to this. I'm not getting paid for this. And so, uh, if you are in the market for a good shoe, if you have back issues from standing a lot, um, you, you should, you know, no matter what, just check them out. You'll just see how how unique these shoes are and how how this uh, the founder of Z Coil took a problem and turned it into a project and turned it into a solution. And it, it just really is neat. So uh, I just, uh, I ask, just take a moment to, to visit zcoil.com. So Z is in Z, zcoil.com. And, uh, and I appreciate it, and I'm sure they would too. And again, they have no idea that I'm doing this. I'm not getting paid to do that. And uh, next week, I'll, next podcast, I'll, I'll uh, talk about someone else. So there you go. Um, moving right along. So we talked about asking yourself the question, what am I afraid of and what's the worst thing that can happen? Well, I, I would challenge you. Yeah, you can hear my journal, right? I, I, I use my journal even for my notes. I love this thing. And, oh, yeah, that's the thing I was going to say. So I, I finished my previous journal this past week, and now I've got a brand new journal. So I am literally looking at page one. Uh, anyway, um, so the next thing to help you overcome fear of failure is to get out of your comfort zone. Now, I'm not saying go hang gliding or anything like crazy like that, but doing little things every day. Little, just make little micro commitments to do something that's slightly out of your comfort zone, whether it's learning a new language, uh, just starting that process, whether, you know, through an audio book or an online course through Duolingo or, or Rosetta Stone or something like that. Um, or maybe you just are, have a hard time talking with people. I'll give you a really interesting uh, tip about how to talk with people. And whether, you know, if you go to your coffee shop and, and get coffee. I'm not saying you have to strike up a conversation or you go to the store, wherever you're going, even on the phone. So here's the thing. Interested people are interesting. Meaning if you show interest in somebody, uh, and I'm not talking romantic interest, I'm just talking about listening to them while you're having a casual conversation. If you show interest, a lot of times that gets reflected back to you in that they think that you are an interesting person. So let me give you a, a for instance. You're having a conversation with somebody and they say something that um, allows you to ask a question. And all you're going to do is you're going to take the, the, the last statement that they said and turn it into a question. So for example, you're, you're at your local coffee shop and... <laughs> it's probably not the best um, best example, but they look out the window while you're waiting for your coffee, you know, and they look out the window and they say, wow, those are some beautiful clouds. And you say back to them, are those some beautiful clouds? And now you have to get used to the awkwardness of that. You just ask somebody a question and you've kind of put yourself out there, but Understand that what you've really done is you've put the ball back in their court. They think they have to answer now. So really, even though there might be a silence, they have to be the one who answers. 
And so they may, and they're going to elaborate because you just ask them a question. Yeah, I mean, look at look at that cloud over there. Doesn't that look like a, you know, and next thing you know, you're having a conversation. Now, you don't have to commit to having some full-on conversation or whatever, but my point is, is that you're doing something that's slightly out of your comfort zone. Or you're at the checkout and somebody, you know, the, the checkout person scans the item and they, and they notice it's on sale. Wow, that's a really good price. And you just say to them, is that a low price? Yeah, you know, and, and they'll say why, and they'll start talking about that. It's not a huge commitment to a conversation, but what it can do is get you out of that comfort zone if that's something that is a problem to you, talking, conversing, and so on. It's called mirroring. And so all you do, you just, next time you go, if you have a networking event, and you, you go through the, the cursory introductions, hi, I'm Fred Johnson, hi, Fred, I'm Paul, and, you know, so on and so forth, and you exchange business cards or whatever, and, and maybe they say to you, you know, that's a nice-looking business card. Say back to them, is that a nice-looking business card? Because what, what they're doing is now they're going to give you some feedback about your business card. Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I like the color choices and the font choice. Uh, even the stock and just the, the coding on it is, is really interesting to the, to the touch. It, you know, whatever the case may be. So try mirroring. I mean, try that this week. Or, you know, to get out of your comfort zone. And you, the more you do something like that, the less uncomfortable it will be. Um, you know, it's just, I stumbled on this by accident, actually, a number of years ago, when, before I got a job with a dot-com, and I was negotiating for the job over the phone. So we had never seen each other face-to-face -face before, and they asked me about my salary requirements. And I, I'm maybe tipping my hat here, <laughs> that's okay, tipping my hand, not my hat. Um, unless you're a lady, then I'm tipping my hat. I'm tipping my hand by saying this, but... But really, they asked me, so what are your salary requirements? And I wasn't expecting that question at that point in the interview. I thought that that question would come if there was going to be a, a next interview. I thought it would be in that one. So it took me aback a little bit. And so I paused uncomfortably because I didn't know what to say. And they ended up being the one who answered and offered me a salary that was better than I was expecting. And so by embracing the awkwardness of that dynamic silence, that I actually got more than I wanted. So sometimes discomfort or, or being slightly, not discomfort, <laughs> being slightly uncomfortable can lend itself to actually being more productive or getting over a fear. So now I understand later on, you know, it's been many years. Now I understand that that silence, I don't look at it as a, as a tactic, but I look at it as an opportunity and gives me a way of getting, you know, as an opportunity to allow for a little uncomfortable moments in conversations. Those are okay. I mean, what's the worst thing that's going to happen, right? This goes back to our question. Are they going to, you know, take out a spear and drive it through me or something like that? No, of course not. It's, it's just a little bit of uncomfortableness for a few seconds, and then it's gone. And now I'm talking about it years and years and years later, because I learned a lesson from that. So that thing that was uncomfortable at the moment no longer is, and now is actually something that's in my toolbox. 
Okay, so that goes back to drawing the line down the paper and putting your fears on one side and your benefits on the others, on the other side. Because looking back, think about all the times that you've been afraid at something and realize it really wasn't that big of a deal. Or that, that thing actually made me more confident. Cycling is a great example. A lot of people, perhaps you, because the gyms are closed right now during Corona and so on, have taken up cycling or, or jogging, walking, and so on and so forth because they don't have their gyms to go to anymore. So, so we are getting out more if we can, if, if our area allows it, or doing home workouts and so on and so forth. Well, cycling has really picked up a lot in, in the past number of weeks. And I recently bought a used bike. I got a, a pretty good deal on it, and, and I'm very happy with it. When I, actually, growing up in Tucson, I've mentioned before that, that I grew up there, and there are bike, bike lanes and bike trails everywhere. Now, I'm talking about road biking, not mountain biking. Mountain biking's never really been my thing. I, I, I love road biking. And so I used to do that as a teenager avidly up, up to my uh, very early 20s, and I was like all legs and no body. <laughs> so I'm just one big leg muscle. And, but, I, but I loved it. I loved the speed. I loved the hustle of it, um, the distances that I could go and so on. Well, time went on and, you know, uh, I got married and had kids and gained weight, if I can be transparent, of course. Hey, it's my podcast. If you want to talk about your weight, get your own podcast. <laughs> I'm kidding, but I, um, but I, but over the years, you know, I, I'd gotten away from that. Well, in recent years, I'd, I've gone back to the gym. I've gotten in shape, and I, in fact, I was asking my wife at some point. I have to decide: Am I fit or not? <laughs> and, and she said, "You're fit, honey. You're fit." Okay, so I don't feel it. You know, things still hurt. And I get tired. You know, the great stairs are the great equalizer. You go upstairs and you're out of breath no matter how far you can ride on a bike. But I've had this bike now for, for almost two months and I've really been enjoying it. But, but rather than just go out and ride 100 miles, I, I started off just getting used to the bike, getting used to what it's like to be out on the road again, staying in my neighborhood before going out on bike lanes. But see, that's what we're talking about with fear. There's no way I would have, even though I used to ride avidly, that was so many years ago that I'm not structurally, mentally, emotionally, so on, the same person that I was back then. So what I had to do is break it down into bite-sized chunks and get my confidence back or regain new confidence. So I stayed in my neighborhood and got to know the balance and, and the particular quirks of this, this specific bicycle that I have until venturing out. Well, uh, two weeks ago, well, a week and a half ago, I did my first what's called a Grand Fondo, which is a 100-kilometer ride, and that means 62.14 miles. First time I had done that. Um, that far. My previous ride, I'd only done about half of that. But by this time, I realized, you know what, I can go this distance. I'm, I'm certain I can go this distance. And I made sure that I had everything with me. I made sure that I had my, I, I mitigated the fear, in other words, by being prepared. I made sure that I had food that I can digest while I'm riding a bike 
because you got to stay fueled for long rides like that. Made sure that I had plenty of fluids and mapped my route so I knew exactly where I was going. Brought my phone with me in case anything happened. Um, put checkpoints along the way, places where I could stop and get refills of water or if, if something happened, you know, tire blows out, things like that, that I would be okay. And I ventured out farther than I ever had. It actually was a rough ride because some of the roads weren't as nice as I thought they would be. And so I'll probably never ride those roads again, or at least not without doing a group ride. But I was solo on this ride. And that's another thing that makes it difficult when you're riding with other riders. You can draft, you can slipstream behind them and save 30% of your energy. So this was just me solo. And I, I, was, I made sure that I was prepared. I made sure physically I was able to do it. Mentally, I would be able to do it to make sure that take care, uh, you know, plan if there were any contingencies, what could I do if I had a tire blowout, if I run out of water, if I run out of food, and make sure that I had all those things prepared. And that helps us mitigate the fear of failure. Now, I still wouldn't want to have a tire blowout. I still wouldn't want to have a cable break. I still wouldn't want to get stuck out somewhere. But I had eliminated a lot of those more worrisome fears by being prepared. And so that's the next thing. Be prepared. Think about all of those contingencies in your business. What if this happens? What if that happens? So on and so forth. And those no longer become points of anxiety, stress, or fear. Now they become projects. What can I do to eliminate this fear or at least be prepared for it if it happens? And that gives you an outline to work through to help you get to overcoming that fear of failure. Okay, so that's getting out of your comfort zone. But it's also mitigating the fear so that it's a little more comfortable. Here's the next thing. So what if it's not comfortable? Now, here in America, we're big on comfort. You know, uh, some, sometime when you're listening to a, um, a podcast as this that maybe has commercials inserted, or you're watching a YouTube that has commercials inserted, ads, uh, you're watching a TV show, so on and so forth, magazine ads, wherever. Look at the marketing and ask yourself, is this talking more about something I really need? I mean, like a life-based necessity, food, air, water, shelter. Or is it something I want? Chances are it's something that is more about what we want. Okay, if it is that, what part of that how much of that is geared toward what is going to make me comfortable? And to be surprised how much is, of marketing is really geared toward our comfort. But you know what? So what if I don't have the new Lazy Boy couch? So what if my cuisine doesn't quite measure up to Wolfgang Puck? <laughs> okay? I, I still have a place to sit. I still have food on my table. So, so again... Comfort zone doesn't really mean as much as you think it does. So the next thing is um, getting used to the awkwardness. Now, I've mentioned this before with, with voice lessons about making mistakes. And I tell my students, while we're practicing, if you're going to make a mistake, make it a good one. Just get it out of your system. Because what that also does is that gives them this awkward moment of, okay, well, that was slightly embarrassing. You know, my voice broke. Or I thought I was going to hit that note, and I didn't. I was flat. I couldn't reach that note. Or whatever. The point is, is that they, th having those mistakes 
teaches them, teaches us to embrace the awkwardness. Chris Voss, who is a former FBI negotiator, has this great quote. When I heard this, I just, I loved it. Awkwardness is an indicator of learning. Awkwardness is an indicator of learning. So that moment that you are uncomfortable, you feel awkward, maybe, speaking of negotiating, maybe you're trying to negotiate a business deal and that's not really your forte or your fort. (laughs) The word can be pronounced either way, believe it or not. As a musician, I've always said forte. So when I heard somebody say fort, I was say, what? What are you talking about? Awkward. Hey, I learned something from that. But you see, that's the point. Awkwardness is an indicator of learning. And that's a tremendous thing to realize. So you're venturing out on this new business and you have this fear of failure and you have this moment where you realize, you know, I'm feeling kind of awkward about this. That's a good thing. Because what it's teaching you is that you're learning something. If, and really, you need what you really need to fear is when you're no longer learning something and you become the know-it-all. Then, then you're in a position of arrogance and you become uninteresting to people and that's not where you want to be. So here's what it comes down to. The problem with the fear of failure is we get so wrapped up in the Goliath-like splendor of the fear of failure that we oftentimes never try. So, what do you need to succeed? Write down step by step. Here are my fears, but realize that those little micro fears, if you want to call them that, to the greater fear of failure, that each one of those little micro fears are stepping stones to success. They no longer become your fears, they become your projects. They become the points in your outline. Here's what I need to do to get this business off the ground or to bring my business to the next level or to start this side hustle. Whatever the case is, dealing with the fear of failure really is just taking a step back and sizing it up for what it is and asking yourself that question, what in the world am I so afraid of? And what happens if what I fear comes true? What's the worst thing that could happen to me? And chances are, you're going to see it for what it really is. It's like having the the blinders taken off your eyes and realizing, wow, what was I so afraid of? I've never been big on confrontation. I don't like confrontation. And it's not that I would consider myself a cowardly person. I just don't like it. I, I just feel like Most of the time it's unnecessary and we could be using this time to accomplish something else. But I'm not afraid to confront somebody so much as I just don't want to confront somebody. I just don't look forward to it. And so, um, but there was a time where I was afraid of it. And I went through a a very, um, shall we say, abusive situation where I had to confront somebody who was a superior and I did not like doing that. But I knew it had to be done. It was affecting me. It was affecting my family. It was affecting a whole lot of people. And I realized, you know, there's a point where I just have to do this. And I asked myself, what's the worst thing that could happen? Now that I've been through that experience, and it was not a pleasant experience, uh, and my reputation, speaking of, of... fear of failure, being strongly connected to other things. I I was worried about my reputation, my family's reputation. I was worried about status and so on. 
And I, but I had to just, again, realize what is the worst thing that could happen and confront that person. Well, I did it. In a retrospect, I became a much more confident person as a result. I don't, I don't, still don't like confrontation, but I'm better at it if I need to do it. I can do it, I think, with a little bit of grace. <laughs> um, and to be able to negotiate to some sort of mutual agreement when possible. But, but it's made me a stronger person, I believe. And so I can look back and realize that I'm thankful for that experience. And, and it'll be that way with you. Whatever the thing is that's giving, that, giving you that fear of failure, when you defeat it, you'll know that you've defeated it because you'll look back and be thankful for it and realize, you know, it really wasn't that big of a deal. Or even if it was a big deal, I don't want to go through that again, but I'm thankful that I did because it's made me a better, stronger, emotionally healthier person. And that's what leads to confidence. Taking those small steps that help you to get better and better along the way. It's not talking about, you know, trying to tackle the whole thing at once, but making those small little micro steps that get you closer to success. This past week, my daughter, my youngest daughter, learned how to ride a bike. Is there fear involved in that? Absolutely there is. But we never even used training wheels. What helped her get over that fear was me being right there, reassuring her, hey, if you fall, all you have to do is put your feet down. But the real reassurance was knowing that I was there. And little by little, my hands come off of her shoulders or, or her back, and she gets her balance more and more until she finally gets the confidence, and now she can ride along. And it's a, it's a, you know, as a father, that's a proud moment. It's proud for me that my, my daughter knows how to ride a bike. It's proud for her because she knows how to ride a bike. This is, and it builds her confidence. And so I asked her today, if you went out there and ride a bike, could you do it? She said, well, yeah, of course. You think you'll ever forget? No. After, after 30 years of never being on a bike, I got on a bike and I could still ride it because I learned the lesson and I overcame the fear. And it'll be like that with you too. So what are you going to do? Do something about it right now. Don't wait around because that's the whole point of the fear of failure is that it, it, it is a Goliath that makes you hesitate. And the way to defeat it is to no longer hesitate. Get out your paper, your journal, whatever, and write those things down and make those micro steps to overcoming fear. And you'll sit back, breathe a sigh of relief, and be like, I am so glad I did that. You will. And you'll succeed. And I want to hear about it. Please contact me through social media if this has been helpful for you. I really would love to know. And, and uh, that would just be, I just want to enjoy the success with you. And that would be very thrilling. And um, if you know of a local business that could use a shout out, please let me know. If, uh, if you would like to collaborate on a podcast, do an interview sometime, then please let me know as well. You can reach out to me uh, through social media, my website, paulerickson.com, and I'd so look forward to hearing from you. And as always, be smart, be good, be humble right now. God bless. Thank you for listening to the Creating Knowledge Income Podcast with your awesome host, Paul Erickson awesome? Really, Dad? Anyway, you can 
can subscribe to his podcast, YouTube channel, Facebook, and Instagram at paulerickson.com. So smash that like button, hit that subscribe, ring that bell, face the Facebook, and Insta the Instagram. All right, Dad, that'll be $5.